Recording from Title One Studio in Sandy, Utah. Welcome to another episode of Idiot to Genius. I'm Steph Scholl. And I'm Todd Porter. Each episode focuses on individuals that found themselves desiring more. If you're feeling like an idiot, join the club. Make sure to subscribe so you can hear examples of how common everyday people utilize their individual right to life, liberty, and property to break out of mediocrity and to prosper. People would rather send an Instagram message or text instead of pick up the phone call and actually call a stranger. But our guest, the man of the hour, the way that he's on the show is because what did he do, Todd? <laughs> he literally called me up. And in this day of social media, where everybody just turned to social media, to have somebody actually cold call is like unbelievable. And he actually called me up. Not only did he call me up, but he developed rapport rapidly. We're having a comfortable conversation. And it's and not only did he do that, but he follows up. He follows up regularly with me, touches base, see how things are going. And I'm always kind of looking forward to taking his calls. I look down, I see that he's calling, and boom, You're I like, take the call. Yep. Well, you guys are probably wondering, who is this Mr. Guest? We're talking to Neil Bingham. He is the co-owner of Altius Mortgage. He started it back in 2007, right? That's when we started Altius Mortgage. Yeah, yeah but you've been doing loans for... About 25 years since, 25 I think, years. 1998. So, so you wow. know your stuff. You've seen interesting times. So we're going to hear more about your story later, but we want to hear first cold calling. Tell us your <laughs> strategy. Tell us what you're doing with it, because I think that a lot of our listeners, especially if you're entrepreneurs, that is the last thing you want to do. That is like the dreaded thing on the things to do list, the thing that you will always push off to tomorrow. Mm-hmm. So give us your secret. Yeah, cold calling, look, it's... It's on the very bottom of my list as well. Let's just be okay, honest. Okay, I'm glad to hear that. Because it's not something I do naturally. Mm-hmm. Our business has been almost 20 years of complete organic business. So what? how did we end up cold, cold calling? Honestly, cold calling is a great opportunity to be able to get to know new people. So you get into new strategies, new people. And I've mentioned this before is I like to be a student of success. And so what does that mean? I can cold call people and find out what their success is. If I'm reaching out and I reached out to Todd and I was really intrigued sincerely about his business, what drives him, what drives his success and what his story is. So what can I learn from cold calling? I can learn a lot from others' success and be able to get to know fantastic people. And I'm sitting here today because I reached out to people that do different things than I do. And by being able to reach out and listen to other people's success stories, I can be better at what I do. So I don't like cold calling. But it does allow for me to actually start making connections with people that I do want to do business with, that I can introduce to my clients, to friends. It it may be that I never do a, a deal with these people, but I'm planting seeds with people that I may be able to do business with or may be able to make connections with to people in the future. So, Well, there's something that you said there that I think is, 
for all of you listeners, take note of how you said you're just calling and figuring out what you can learn about someone. Like, that takes the fear out. You aren't selling them right away. You aren't being like, hey, listen, this is my business. This is how great it is. But just calling and connecting and being that student of, you said student of success. Student of success, yeah. That, I feel like, eliminates the fear. Oh, absolutely. And the factors that you talked about that are so key. And and also, isn't it interesting? Because you even somewhat dread doing cold calling. I do. Yeah. But at the end of doing it, and especially when you've oh. been able to make some connections, don't you feel great? Todd, you've nailed it. I, <laughs> so I I get on these calls and make no mistake, I do dread them. And, and almost every time. And I'll tell you a quick story about that in a moment. But when I get done and I've connected with somebody and I've heard their story, I am pumped. It is exciting to hear their story. And I... I do these calls on Monday and man, on Mondays, I go home pretty excited. I tell my wife about them. I tell my kids about them and it's an exciting day. But the thing that doesn't go away, in my opinion, I was at a conference in Florida maybe a month ago and this gentleman that has incredible success, he's on podcasts, he's on film, he's doing conventions all of the time. He said right up front, he said, this morning when I went to come to this conference, he was having anxiety. And I looked at that and I thought, it doesn't go away. That that fear does not go away no matter how many times you get in front of the mic or the camera or in front of people. Here's a guy that's an eight-figure guy. He's telling me he's an eight-figure guy. And he's been doing it I know he started somewhere around 2000, 2002, doing what he does now, and that has not gone away for him. Isn't and, that fascinating? And, and that and that encouraged me because I'm like, this is not going away, but the reward that comes. I think he goes home and has talks with his wife and says, "Guess what I did today? Mm-hmm. Guess who I learned out about today?" Mm-hmm. And th- these are great events that. We're in the people business, right? We're in the people business to get to know people and what makes them excited. Before we move on, you said that you call on Monday. Is that to get it out first thing? Like, why (laughs) Monday? I want to pick your brain on that. Yeah, why Monday? I have strategic calls every day. Okay. Monday, honestly, Monday is a hard day to get going because I'm coming out of the weekend and and I've finished up doing the things that are personal that I love with for myself and my family and my kids. So to get started up on Monday, why do we do it that day? There, there's other days that I have other things, but honestly, what you've brought up is something that jump starts my week, even though it's something I dread. Mm-hmm. And dread's kind of maybe a little strong. It's something that I have a little anxiety over, for right. sure. But I definitely gets me motivated. When I get done with these calls, my business partner and I, Dave, we go in and we talk about our calls and share success. Mm-hmm. And so it makes the day just go really well. So why do I start my Mondays like that? Jump starts my entire week for when I've had these fun, successful stories. Am I afraid of rejection? Yes. <laughs> that, I, that, that 
everybody wants to be yeah, accepted yeah. and approved, mm-hmm. and, but I have to get past the fears to get into the success. Right. And I think that, it, that having a certain time and a certain day to do it, it's, it sounds like it's on your schedule. It and is. I think that's the thing that yeah. is, especially as entrepreneurs, it's like you can be going a million different places but to know that it's scheduled, to know, hey, you aren't getting out of this. We aren't going to avoid this. <laughs> like, that's what really makes success, I feel like. Steph, you've nailed it. <laughs> I hate to say it, but you're reading my book here. Because <laughs> how long did it take me to get into my schedule? Because it's been on there. Yeah, let's, let's. And I found all kinds of reasons to not do it. <laughs> oh, yeah. And I'll tell you the things I had to get to the point where I had to shut down the distractions. What do I love to do? I, I'm a problem solver. Mm-hmm. I like to get in the office and go and open that email and like, what am I doing today? <laughs> I love what I do. Yeah. And it's exciting for me yeah. to get through there. But I had to go, okay, I've got to turn off my email. I've got to turn off my phone. I've got to turn off my messages. I, anything that's a distraction and just put what I'm focusing on for the next two hours and type my notes. I, it's really about focusing on someone other than myself yeah. and going, what can we do to connect with these people? And I also think, especially as an owner of a company, that's something that a lot of owners don't do because like you said, there's a million problems to solve. There's a million different things. So I feel like it probably means more when it's like, oh, you're one of the owners. Thanks for reaching out. I I don't ever share that. Oh, you don't share no, that? Look at I this don't. humble I, well, guy over here. I, I don't share that because I want the experience the same no matter yeah, who's yeah. talking to them. I don't put it on my card. I don't put it on my email. It's I don't share yes. that because, because I really just want to hear about them and not really have this carve out because they know somebody I want it to be unique to them rather than going, hey, I know Neil. Yeah. It's not about me, hopefully. It's about them. So that alone is powerful right right there. What you're saying, you're obviously a team player. Culture is really important to me. Dave and I read a book. It was probably around 2010 called Soup by John Gordon, if you've read it. If you haven't, haven't you should. It's a short read. It's really good. It's all about culture. And we decided that we wanted to craft something special. And Mm -hmm. Soup kind of gave us the recipe for who we wanted in the soup with us or how we wanted to create it, how we wanted to feel. And we've had people come into our office before and they say, uh, mostly people were hiring or interviewing and they're like hey this really feels the feels comes out Mm -hmm. and they're like hey this really feels good and maybe it's the way they're greeted we do script our receptionists so that the greeting is the same Mm -hmm. we want them to be able to feel welcome Mm -hmm. and enjoy their stay but really we're there to solve their problems we're problem solvers to help them find a solution to something that is highly emotional and really exciting. First time home buyers, they're they're terrified Uh uh, most of the time of going, how am I going to afford this Mm -hmm. hundreds of thousands? How am I gonna navigate to find the right property? 
we want to answer all those questions and help them navigate that so that it's something that they're comfortable with so they can focus on their needs as opposed to the scary piece of how do we how do we get into this home well plus they're taking advantage of the american dream yeah it's a big deal yeah the american dream we want to bring that into reality and help them go how do i place myself into this and the excitement that comes I think you get to to experience this where you you get to shake hands, you get to meet with them a lot. I don't get to meet with them like I used to. I used to meet in in their homes, right. on their coffee tables, right. writing out the app, and not so much anymore. I meet them at closing more times than I in any right. other place. Yeah. And so to shake their hands and get to experience that is that's the treat really. And I think many people in the industry, and when I say the industry, I'm talking about kind of a macro approach. People that are involved in some way, shape, or form in the real estate world, whether you're looking at a developer, whether you're looking at a construction worker, whether you're looking at people that do mortgages like yourself, whether you're looking at the the realtor, I think many have lost sight of the value that they bring to the table and that they're literally in the fight for freedom. That's really what they're in the fight for. Yeah. And so what you're doing in helping these people to qualify to purchase that real estate, to be able to have that home, that is creating economic freedom for that individual or that family that you really don't get anywhere else. Yeah, that's so true. They're, when, they, when they take the, the step or the leap into financial freedom, this is the one piece where if they are given the opportunity to jump into something that will change their financial landscape for the rest of their lives. Or generations, future generations, generations. really. So they're creating that it's a lot like a college education. Sometimes first generations get into college education. They're like, hey, this is one of the very best things you can do for your family is get education. And I think financially, one of the best things you can do is to create wealth through real estate. It's just one of the best things ever. And, oh, absolutely. And right now people are scared, <laughs> but I don't think they should be. I think by navigating the course with trusted professionals, they can f- identify the very best time to buy. And whether it's the lowest rates, mm-hmm. 2 3 4%, or frankly, the best deals, some of the best deals, you don't know they're the best deals till you look in the rear view mirror and go, that was a great time to buy. You've heard it said that the best time to buy was yesterday, mm-hmm. but the next best time today to buy is right now. You know? <laughs> yeah. And, and I, I, I truly believe that. You, you yeah. can go out there and it's just a matter of negotiating the best deal that you have based on what you have on, in front of you on the table right now and just get it done. Yeah, no, I agree. I've had I've had home buyers. In fact, just today, I had an account executive that came into our office and he said, Are you having buyers back out of contracts? And I said, I haven't experienced that so much. But I just said, as a follow up, they'll regret that. I, th- I think they'll regret that because they're going to look back next spring or next summer and go, Oh, 
I should have bought that house. I know. I Those cringe. are swear words to I, me. What I, I should have. I, I cringe. <laughs> I cringe at the whole idea because I just think, oh my gosh, they're going to look back. I had a good friend of mine call me up yesterday and ask for some uh, financial advice on real estate. And he was asking whether or not he should buy a, a rental property or a second home or a vacation home. And I just said, right now is the best time to buy. And he's, Neil, rates are up. Yeah. Values are high. And I'm like, I know you should buy right now because as soon as rates go down, it's going to cost you money. Yep. It's going to cost you opportunity. Absolutely. Absolutely. And so <laughs> do it now and you'll look back in two years and just go, wow, I am really glad I took that advice because now instead of paying 700,000, <laughs> these, the values are high, but they'll continue to go high. The other factor that a lot of people don't take into consideration is in the time that you don't own that real estate, especially first time home buyers. So they're going to rent. So how many thousands of dollars are you going to be throwing down that proverbial hole, getting nothing other than a place to rest your head, but as far as equity, as far as tax write-offs, as far as everything else, you're getting nothing, and they're worried about the value dropping a little bit on the real estate so they can buy at yeah. a lower price. And I'll be honest, I do not see that coming, at least in the near future. What about no. you? How, do you no. What does the future look from your standpoint of view? I think that if you're looking at real estate, the opportunity is quite large right now because you can find great deals on property with sellers looking to accommodate some helps that have not existed for eight years. And you can fix a rate, but you can't fix a sales price. So get the best deal you can and then let the rates fix themselves. Right. And so I, I just think that there's great opportunity if you're willing to see what's available. The deal that would fit me is different than the deal that would fit you and Steph. So I think people just have to find the roadmap that fits their needs for the time. But I think there's always going to be opportunity. You just have to find out, find what's, what fits your needs at the time. What about people that something that's come up recently or that I'm starting to hear more and more about is like people that have student loan debt and they, and they want to hold off whether they can qualify or not to them is largely irrelevant. They want to hold off until they're debt free or until they pay off their student loans or, or things like that. What is your advice to them? Do you, do you think they should hold off or what is your perspective? I, people ask, hey, why did my friend get into this when I know he's got more debt than me and stuff? I think the cost of waiting is something that you can look at. Um, I think you can talk to a professional. If you're comfortable with, with your own finances, look at them. But I think the cost of waiting, you'll find when you take into consideration the equity piece, Mm. which is the largest one. The loan, loan programs right now aren't going to let you qualify generally for anything that you can't do. But certainly right now, the opportunity is to buy what uh, makes sense for you. But the cost of waiting is large. I think most of the time, unless you're total, totally shackled with more debt than you can handle, because you can't consolidate on a purchase, but student loans, generally, they're going to be income-based repayment. Even if they're deferred, 
We're still going to take in consideration a future payment. So I think that people need to look at their debt and see what options they have available. More times than I've seen ever before, mom and dad or are willing to step in and help with down payment, maybe debt consolidation. Maybe there's grants that are non-repayable that are available. It's just important to look at everything that's available so that you can go, is now the right time? And it's not right for everybody, but I think the cost of waiting when you could is expensive. Very expensive. So. Yeah. I want to know, because you guys started in 2007, and you were talking about how now it's different than like 10 years ago. What was it like starting your company, and then was it like a year later that yes. things back to then, and how you guys were able to like weather that? Yeah, that was interesting. So Dave and I had been in the business for eight and nine years, I think it was at the mm -hmm. time. And we started Altius Mortgage, and everyone said the same thing. Why would you start a mortgage company right now? And it was a similar scenario. So was it already not great? What was it like? Yeah, for us, it was fine. We were in the business working with builders, and we were comfortable with our sources of business. Mm -hmm. And it made sense for us, Yeah. but it was hard. Um, our... We've never tried to shackle our, our company with any kind of debt. Mm -hmm. I'm on uh, recording here, <laughs> yeah. sitting here. We took out a loan for, I think it was $10,000 for our furniture and computers and stuff. Yeah, yeah. And we paid that off in that first year because we don't like debt. Yeah. And because we had that strategy, we were able to weather the storm, but it was really hard. We had to make hard decisions on people, on services, and stuff, but fortunately, we were able to weather that storm and start moving. I remember it was because it was a scary time, we were slim pickings. Yeah. <laughs> I remember it was about December, probably of 2008, I think. Eight, it, it had to have been eight when rates were going up and we were just not getting a lot of business. And, but rates kind of started creeping down right there. And I had made the statement to my business partner. I'm like, I'm not going into debt for this company. Mm -hmm. So if we run out of money, that's it. And we started making some progress and just built our way out of there. Cause it was, we were getting a little light on money for sure. Right. Yeah. But I was like, I'm not going to take out debt for this. But fortunately, we made some good decisions. And I think our success from there forward really came from surrounding ourselves with the right people, not only in our office, but the right people that we want to do business with that are like-minded. Mm -hmm. I think you have to do business with people that care and care with the, with the end game in mind. Because we, like I said, we built our business almost completely organic. Mm -hmm. It's word of mouth, it's friends and family and that. past clients and people. So back to the cold calling, that's a new thing for me. Mm -hmm. I've not done that in my career, but it's provided an incredible opportunity to meet great people. That so. also tells you that your focus is completely on performance because yeah. if you're running off of the referral business and off of, like you said, organic, yeah 
that's it. You you have to perform at a high level to 100%. be able to take care of them and it's where they feel comfortable referring you. Yeah, people ask people ask when they get us on the phone, how do you get paid? I don't get paid unless I close a deal for you. Yeah. So I'm looking for a long-term relationship, not a one and done yeah. for sure. There was something though that you said about when you told your business partner, Dave, hey, I'm not going into debt for this. When we run out of money, we're done. That was like right there, you threw that line in the yeah. sand. Do you feel like that's what helped because you made that decision or? I think I think that good planning provides opportunity for, uh-huh. for opportunities to open themselves up. There have been times where people have said that I'm lucky. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know that I agree with that. I, I, I plan things out a lot to make sure that the opportunity, if it's available, presents itself. If it's not, it's okay. But I want to make myself available for opportunities to be, you know, an option for me. Right. And I say me, I really mean us, our company, because we operate as a group. We all win or we all lose. Mm -hmm. So... Well, and I think that the, as you're talking about being planning ahead and having that money saved and having, it does make you more, if there's opportunities to be like, okay, we can do that. So. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. We've loved it. I, staying on with your company because my brain just goes towards systems. And so I'm like, but I know that there's listeners out there that have the same questions <laughs> if you're system nerds like me, but you had said that you gave your receptionist scripts, which I think is genius because we all love Chick-fil-A. We know what we're getting when we're going to Chick-fil-A. We know that they're going to say, my pleasure, but it doesn't matter. (laughs) That's what we're expecting. And so tell us a little bit about, and this culture that you guys had, this this soup, how do you create that? Is it through trainings? Is it through different programs? I want to pick your brain there. I don't know that we have a secret sauce necessarily. I want to say that we are operating on the golden rule Mm -hmm. because we do have to circle back around and go, what is it that I would want to experience, whether I'm an employee or a customer Mm -hmm. or my business partner? Dave and I were friends before we started this company. (laughs) Wow. And we're still very good friends. It's been a great relationship. And that doesn't mean that we've been able to always see eye to eye, but we have a high level of respect between each other and trust that we're going to make good decisions. So how do we build the systems and culture? Yeah. I think I think it's great communication. I know that's an old school answer, but we're coordinating every day. Okay. You mean getting together? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so it probably started because we were friends, Mm -hmm. but we found that we really, my receptionist at the time, she just said, you two are always talking about the things that you're doing. And we do lunch almost every day. Mm -hmm. And whether that's I brought my lunch Mm -hmm. and we're talking in my office or we're going out to grab a bite, Mm -hmm. we're talking about strategies and successes and failures and it's an on-the-fly uh, thing. So when we scripted the front desk, it's really one of the first things that we said is, look, when you pick up that phone, you have to be smiling. Mm, I love that. Right. People can tell yeah, if you're smiling on the other that. side. You can, you yeah. can feel it. And you can tell Todd. When I talk with Todd, I, 
I, I don't imagine Todd's sitting around <laughs> unless you're under a car. <laughs> There's a story behind that. There's a story behind that because he's really excited about what he does and it is energizing. And I think when people pick up the phone and say, hi, this is Neil at Altius Mortgage. How can I help you today? And give them a, a direction it's important that they feel that they're important and that they're the only person on the line. It just so happens that the person that was picking up those calls at the time, her life was that way. She would always make everybody feel that walked into her office like they were the only person around. Wow. And you, I feel like we have to hire that because at Chick-fil-A, you expect it. You expect you're going to get the same service all the time. I actually asked Chick-fil-A, I'm like, how did they get such good people? Yeah. And they're like, hey, they didn't hire based off experience. They hired off attitude. Oh, really? Yeah. I wow. didn't know that. So I asked one of the employees. Really? But <laughs> I wanted it makes to know. Sense because you don't see people that are like on their phones or Debbie Downers would be like, what do you want? No. They like greet you with a smile. That's really interesting. So I think you just have to find what's a good culture for you and your group. I, <laughs> my, my parents said that I may have been born with a smile. And sometimes <laughs> I, I think it's really good to have that, though, whether it yes. comes naturally or yeah. whether or not you kind of work on that. I think people enjoy being around happy people and people enjoy being around people that are excited about what they do. If they somebody says, hey, how? how are you doing? And you just say, good. Mm -hmm. I can't do that. Yeah. <laughs> no. I, I can't do that. It's okay if people do, but I'm energized towards people that are like, you know what? Today has been awesome. I'm like, tell me about that. Yeah, yeah. What's, what did you do today that yeah. made today so awesome? So. Well, and I think that you and Dave, just every day getting together and sharing, like you said, that you guys talk to each other about cold calls or you're talking about your successes or, or failures, that probably trickles down because you guys are excited and you're communicating and then other people can come to you and be like, hey, this cool thing happened and you guys seem like you're like hype men for everyone. We, we have, and we tell everybody this in our interviews for our employees, is we have an open door policy. I think it's incredibly important for people to feel like they can share their wins. Mm -hmm. But we interview almost everybody the same way where we say, if you have problems, I need to know about those. Maybe I want to hear your wins, but I also want to hear problems. And if we're not communicating, this is where our business is going to slide a little bit. Mm -hmm. We've got to have open door communication so that we can work through problems. It's great to have problems. It's great to have failures. It's not great if you don't learn from those. So I can't learn if I don't know. Mm -hmm. So, Right. And having the spirit of a teacher to your team and everything else and the spirit of a student in what do they need? What, are the, what is it yeah. they're after? What is it? Yeah. How can you help them? How can you add value to them? And that's obviously what, what you're bringing to the table. Ideally, students, if I'm a student of learning, I want to learn from everybody I come in contact with. And ideally in our business, they're bringing me the solution. I don't want to be, I've worn the fire hat a lot 
and I don't want to be the fireman for every problem that comes up. I want them to come up with the solutions and bring them to me. I need for them to be proactive and find the solutions because that's where they are bringing value. If they're excited about that, they'll find a solution. So, so when people bring a problem to your desk, mm -hmm. they have an issue. Do you, are you one to, to ask them questions regarding it to kind of help them process to a solution? Is that the way you approach it or how, how is it you approach it? Ideally, they're always bringing problems, but ideally I'm like, what do you think we should do with that? What, any ideas that come to mind? Because if I solve it, it's the same thing as teach a man to fish, right? I think they can find the solution as, as easy as I can. And I'm kind of a control guy. So this is hard for me oh, to so give up. It's not, it's, it sounds like it would be natural for you, but that's good to no, know that it's hard to give up. It, no, I can fix these things yeah. really quick and easy. And I think it, it's taken years, and I'm not saying that I've perfected this, yeah. but it's taken years to get to the point where I don't need to fix this, and I know I could do it quicker than maybe anybody. Yeah. But if I have to fix everything, then it's harder to have momentum and I'm a really big fan of momentum. So it's, I think it's important to be in the weeds of your business. I think it's important to know and understand each piece of your business. But I think that you also have to let people fail. If they don't fail or if they don't learn, my wife's as cute as could be. She does not want any of our children to get hurt. I'm like, no, let's let them get their knees skimmed up. I think people can learn from those failures. And when I look back on my life, I think of things that I've learned the most at are the things that were the biggest struggles, the hardest pieces. And so I think it's okay to fail. I think it's, if you don't give opportunities to miss the point or maybe have some failure, it's harder to grow. You'll stay about the same if you never challenge yourself. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, it's the king of mediocrity, right? Yeah, absolutely. So with that, can we dive a little bit deeper, though, and hear about some of these failure moments or, like, advice to your younger self with things? <laughs> Anything you want to share? Yeah, so I'm trying to think when this was, but I do remember. So one of, one of the things that I think younger entrepreneurs try to do is try to land the big one. Oh, yeah. And you go... Ah, if I could only have a million dollar deal, just think of the money that I would <laughs> yeah. make or and maybe now it's yeah. two million. Uh -huh. <laughs> and I think focusing on those big ones, those big deals are harder to do. But even more so, when you have a measure of success and you start believing that you're a big deal mm -hmm. is maybe a downfall. I remember a time when I had a borrower that I had referred to my best builder, like the guy that I built my business with right and they built their home we got them to closing i i was just like i'm just getting so busy i just don't think i can make it to this one and so i just didn't go to closing mm -hmm. and they had a problems i was on another call i didn't take the call i didn't call them back and the long the shorter end of the story is that they ended up going somewhere else they went to the closing table and they had a problem, I wasn't available to help fix it, and they went somewhere else. Mm. And I lost that deal, and my buddy, who, and he's, he's a great friend, he said, Neil, 
if you'd have been there, that deal would have closed. But you weren't there to answer the questions and you weren't available. And I'm like, whoa. Talk and about a gut punch. It, it was a total gut punch. And I was just like, first of all, I missed the ball and I need to be there to shake the hand. Going back to things you've said, I think remembering who were, who's our customer, who we're taking care of. These are pe the people that provide opportunities for us to build and grow and provide for our families. I wasn't there. That was a big miss. And that just, that, that cut to the core. Especially um, a friend telling you that. He's a good friend. He's good yeah. enough to tell me yeah. I've got broccoli in my teeth or that yeah. I... No, that's a real friend that yeah. will tell you, you messed up here. Yeah, I agree. I think real friends will tell you the truth. I think ideally people are always, you know, it can hurt a little bit, but it's okay to just say it how it is. Yeah. Right. I'm not a, I'm not a good sugar coater. <laughs> <laughs> I would not have guessed that. Seriously, with our conversations, I would not have guessed that. But anyway, that's awesome that you're not. My Dave gave me this line, so I always have to give him credit for it. I said, he says, Neil, good news is good. Bad news is bad, but no news is worse. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, that's true. Oh, totally you, true. You, the, our business is, is set based off expectation, good, good communication, and predictability. People, whether it's title or agents or borrower or insurance or builder people just want to know they just want to be am i dealing with somebody predictable and dependable am i going to get what they said i'm going to get they just want to they just want to know that when i get my american dream that i'm going to show up at the table i'm going to collect my closing gift sign on the line and i'm going to get my keys from todd and be happiest clam ever <laughs> exactly it's you just nailed it it, it really is uh, meeting expectations or exceeding expectations. When, when you can exceed expectations, it's even better. Even better. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah. I, I really love that's getting me to think because so often, even with podcasting, it's like I send stuff out at a certain time that I don't like necessarily follow up or whatever. And the no news is no communication is the worst. So it's just making me think about, okay, how can I improve my communication? Because people, like, if they... They may not notice if you're communicating more, but they do notice if you aren't, for sure. I had one of my employees that we were recently hired. I told him, I told him my time blocking yeah. of what I do each day. And one of the things was on a purchase transaction, because he used to be a builder. Okay. And, he, and I said, I'd be calling you every week on a deal that we were, that we were under contract on. And he said, Neil... I don't know if I need you to call me every week. And I just said, let's just go through this for a second. So you take my call, you find out who I am, and you're good with that. But then I call the next week and you're like, why are you calling me? Is something wrong? Because that's what most people think. No, I'm just letting you know that we're on for a smooth and flawless closing. Just wanted to let you know that all our time looks great, borrower looks great, and so forth. And I just said, do you think you're going to take my call on week three on a 30-day contract? He said, yeah, maybe not. And I said, but doesn't it make you happy to know that I did? And I said, you're hearing from me, and I'm predictable, and my communication is consistent. 
So whether you wanted that call or not, you can send it to voicemail and you know you, where you can get a hold of me. So I'm going to, I'm going to be predictable. And am I perfect? Nope. <laughs> On those timelines, but hopefully I can be predictable. Hopefully I can be what my clients expect of me. Mm -hmm. And at the end of the day, I want to be proud of what I've done for my family and for my clients and for people that I do business with. Plus, it's just that peace of mind. Very That's what you so. brought. I'm going home. Yeah. yeah. And they don't have to keep this checklist. Do oh, I need to call Neil to find out what's going on with the yeah. transaction, whatever. It's every week. They know they're going to call and it just out of sight, out of mind, done, taken care of. Okay. And they can keep moving forward with it. Or when you do have a problem, they know you've been following up, following up. When you run into a challenge, it's, it's usually at its very beginning of a challenge. Just, okay, how can we get take care of this problem? Yeah, nobody wants the call two days before closing to go, hey, so we just found this out. Yes. Right? <laughs> like, no. How did this not come up two right. weeks ago? Yeah. Right, exactly. In ending, we want to know, how did you get in the industry and why do you love this? Because now you've been doing this for several decades. Why lending? Yeah. So I grew up, Youngest of nine on oh. a dairy farm. Wow. Dairy farm? Yeah. Okay. And and so, you know, I, I feel like that I learned a lot being the youngest in my family. And frankly, I learned a lot. My dad, my dad taught me, I, I remember this and I remember the details. He he was doing a transaction with a, a guy, mm -hmm. and the guy gave him a blank check and said, Carl you can write this out when you find out what the number was because they didn't know the exact mm -hmm. figure. And my dad said, are you sure uh, you want to give me a blank check? He signed it and everything. And, and he said, if I can't trust Carl Bingham, then I can't trust anybody. And I'm his kids, mm -hmm. the youngest kid is sitting there going, I don't know what this all means. But what got me into the business, I think learning to uh, provide something that's a value to other people that they can trust. A little known fact about me, I did a lot of things before I found the mortgage business. Okay. I drove semis. Oh, you did? For a oh, couple wow. of years. I did a lot of, I was in building a little bit. I did insurance sales, a lot of different things. But I found that in life's trials or things that I was testing, that I loved working in money, and okay. I loved working with people. Mm -hmm. And Dave, my business partner, introduced me to mortgages. He took my application. Oh, really? <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> A year before, when he first started, and I asked him about the business, and maybe a year later, he told me I could probably get in an interview. And the rest is history. We worked together for, I think, four years as originators of the same company. And I just found it was a really good fit. I loved working out the finance mm -hmm. piece. I loved that I got to talk to people. I loved that it was an important transaction uh, for them. And I had to work hard. I remember every Tuesday and every Thursday for my first two years, Tuesdays I would go north to meet with either builders or real estate agents or people that could possibly refer me business. Right. And Thursdays I would go south to Utah County. <laughs> wow. <laughs> because I just needed opportunity to get in front of the right 
right people. Yeah. So I think in what drew me to this business, I think it was the type of business it was, but it was also, just to be honest, I was looking for a good way to provide a living for my family. Mm-hmm. And right. this this hit the boxes for me in being able to have some freedom, mm-hmm. do something that I really love and enjoy. I do like to talk to people, not usually in front of mics and things, <laughs> but but it just checked all the boxes. I love what I do, and it's fun. So fortunately, my business partner and friend introduced me to the business and was able to just find something that fit. I, I really enjoy it. It's obvious you've been able to thrive in that environment. And do the fact that I look forward to receiving, I get a lot of phone calls throughout the week <laughs> from lenders and so forth. And yeah. I, I really do. When, when I call, I go, I look forward to the conversation. I look forward Thank to you. the time that we're going to be able to talk with you. So oh, and this has been great. It's, it's great having you on here at Idiot to Genius. A lot of times we didn't really get into that very much as far as explaining that. We've explained that on other other shows, other uh, episodes. But Neil, you've you've really summed everything up perfectly of what Idiot to Genius is all about. And it is the process by which the individual right to fail unleashes the unlimited potential to succeed. In summary, it's called freedom. To all our listeners out there, remember you get to choose your title company. So remember, there's a reason why there's a one in our title.